Well, your 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 brother and our dear friend Annie seem to think that I'm tardy. I mean, you know what? If we had a survey go out to all my friends, I don't know what would come back. But what um, I I can tell you what would come back. <laughs> Okay, I, th I think this is something we should actually consider doing. You know, let's let's like prepare a survey and send <laughs> send them to all of our friends and see what actually does come back. Oh my God, can you imagine? Like, if you were to say, to, imagine if you were to ask your friend, like, say to your friends, this is an anonymous survey. Nothing you say will ever come. Like, I'll never know who said what. And you ask people, like, what do you really think? <laughs> yeah, I think we should do it. Let's, let's let's find out what they really think. What do you think? Yeah. I I think for me, if I was to answer any survey, it would be, why don't you like reggaeton? I don't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. why, why don't you like what? Reggaeton. <laughs> I have no idea with that. No, it sounds like you're hiding behind or oh. underneath lots of coats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one sec. Yeah. All right, somebody's taken one of the coats off. You sounded a bit better there. Um, hold on. Yeah. You're getting there. Yeah, it's still a bit muffled. How about now? Slightly better, but you sound distant. Mm. I'm so distant. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of putting that on your survey. <laughs> I'm so... Give me one sec. Uh, yeah. I had to do this on, um, on Skype. Mm. I, I recently had a challenge like this. Uh, Ardman got me a, a new microphone because he decided that um, seeing as I'm doing these podcasts on a more regular basis, that I should use a, a better quality microphone. And he, yeah, so he surprised me. He bought me this wonderful microphone that I can set up and it's, uh, it's really cool. Um, it's just every now and then I have, it's, it's basically, it's too cool for my laptop. So uh, that's uh, that's the problem. Yeah. I have. It was when you and I were talking. Do you remember? It wasn't working. That, that, that was one of the. I I think I had just um, rebooted my laptop, and when that happens, uh, all hell breaks loose, and my laptop seems to reset itself in a completely original way. So every time I reboot it, I have to identify a complete different problem that it's created for me because it doesn't recognize how cool the microphone is. So. Uh, and that's all because of Armin. He's so sweet, isn't he? <laughs> right, hold on. Oh, now ah, you sound great. No, that's because it, it might, it's not connected now, that's why. Ah, okay. So that's a problem, I guess. Okay, just give me one sec. Give me two minutes, and if it doesn't work, I'll just ditch the headphones. Okay. <sighs> or, or you could just ditch the headphones and we get started. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. No, go on, you do it, Annie. It's no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Who's being late? We've got all night, love. It's not a problem. Speak for yourself. Yeah, so do you know what? I've, I've actually been, um, how should I say, yeah, somewhat yeah, criticised, objectively criticised, in that I don't actually do proper introductions um, when I do the podcast. And, uh, yeah, the unfortunate thing is that's probably going to continue to be the case. But um, <laughs> what, what I would... 
<laughs> what I would ask is that, uh, yeah, if you want to uh, throw in some additional um, introductions about yourselves, you know, absolutely feel free to do so. I mean, I, I would simply put you down as uh, two, um, yeah, management ladies. You're used to, uh, how would I say, pushing people around, telling people what to do, getting things <laughs> organized yeah is this is... i don't think our colleagues would like that very much <laughs> okay I, it's it's not too far from the truth though <laughs> yeah but we don't have to tell them that that's what we do if they assume I, mean, I, I do it even at home with my housemates if i weren't here this place would be an absolute s show okay but i, I mean are they going to listen to this podcast Probably they not. might and also um, they they know it, so it's you know there's no denying it or hiding it, so it's fine. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But but why would they not listen to the podcast, Tatiana? Do you not advertise your efforts when you do them? Um, no, Annie said that, not me. I, oh, I, Annie. What efforts? Okay. You're speaking to me is an effort sometimes, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> no, that's always a pleasure. Hey. I don't have the brum roll thingy going, but uh, <laughs> no. But I've been—I've got to admit—I've been a bit sheepish about sharing, but that's because it's more about me being self-conscious rather than you know not wanting to share your podcast. But, but that's that's cool though, isn't it? I mean, because because I you know I, when we talk, I, I also get asked some some questions, uh, which I, I want that to continue, basically, because I, I can't just talk about randomly about myself. Um, and yeah, quite often the questions are quite yeah, deep, I guess uh, it's probably the best way of putting it. Um, and it's cool, though, sharing stuff about yourself. I mean, you, you don't have to, you know, share your absolute innermost, you know. And um, from a book that I was reading recently that one of the detectives in the story said, everybody has a secret room. And nobody ever wants to let anybody into that room. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fair enough. I think those secret rooms should remain closed, at least for as long as people want them to remain closed. But you know, before you get to that secret room, which always, which is always at the back of your psyche, you know, there are many other levels and other rooms to traverse through before reaching that room. Uh, and so, therefore, you know, talking about ourselves. Uh, in many ways brings us closer to these others because they probably think these things too. Don't, don't you find? Yeah. I, I, th- I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm, I understand where Annie's coming from about being self-conscious though. Um, because, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you're, you're sort of sharing this out and, you know, people are going to be like, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it wasn't so much about uh, being self-conscious about sharing like my innermost innermost thoughts, um, but I don't know. I think I guess there were like certain things that I would have maybe said differently, or you know, if I had thought through it a bit more. Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll get over it. I'm sure yeah. I'll, be, I'll be like I'll be like ah yeah you know what you should be listening to this anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Just to listen to me. Hey. <laughs> But I mean, I do. I mean, do you not find a certain liberty in, you know, not necessarily revealing everything, not necessarily telling everybody the truth. You don't have to tell people how you feel about them if it's not positive, shall we say. Um, uh, it's also good to be constructively critical. Uh, but if we show that of ourselves, we can reflect um, that does that not suggest a certain level of maturity that we have 
finally developed about ourselves? To be honest, I'm actually a firm believer of that in that, but more in terms of how we talk to our friends or, you know, basically I had a friend recently who came to me with a problem, something that had happened to her that, you know, wasn't great. Um, and I think a couple of other friends that she had spoken to basically were obviously super support supportive of her, but be being very defensive of her, being very kind of um, maybe attacking the people who wronged her. And although I agreed with that, I think my approach was to be actually let's let's be a bit more realistic about this and be more objective about it and actually said what I thought and where I thought uh, the others were wrong, but also where I thought that maybe she might have been wrong. And, you know, it wasn't an easy conversation to have at that point. But like later on, she then got back to me and was like, thank me saying, like, thanks for being honest and saying what you thought even actually made me think a lot about it and maybe approach that problem in a slightly different way mm. and i don't know i think it, it's more it benefits everyone at that point if you're being if you're being constructive rather than not i think yeah uh I, yeah i think i completely agree and especially i think the easiest thing to do or to say when somebody you know asks you for advice or an opinion say oh you look great oh it's brilliant oh that's a it's a great thing to do but what that shows is you haven't actually thought about it it's you're simply giving them the kind of answer that you believe they would like to hear yeah perhaps um whereas if you take time to be a bit more analytical uh, and on occasions critical uh, even if it's perhaps more difficult for them to stomach, it's as as in the case of your friend uh, who reflected apparently and came back to you with an appreciative response, it is more beneficial in the long run. Um, Tatiana, are you the kind of person who takes uh, constructive criticism on the nose? Uh, I Do you know what? I am, but it depends where it's coming from. Okay. So it's more the subject rather than the object with you. It's more of the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the person it's coming from. Yeah. So it's, it's who it's who rather than what. And uh, yeah, like I, I won't. I'm not going to give names. But for example, I did. I I done something recently because I'm quite self conscious. I don't really like watching or listening to myself, even though I do a lot of like events where I moderate. So. I am, um, of course, I take um, feed, being offering feedback to people is good because it helps you develop. But I think it also depends on who's giving it to you. Hmm. I guess it depends on how much you trust or respect yeah, the opinion absolutely. of that other person. If it's someone who like, actually, I don't I, you don't I don't think you have a say or have the authority to speak in on this matter in a way, then you're like, mm, actually, I might take that with a pinch of salt. And, and what about a third option where, uh, for example, you are presented with somebody talks about their problems, their issues and so on, and they don't actually want advice. They don't want a response of any sort. They just want somebody to talk to. Um, can you see circumstances underwear for you that would also be yeah. the, the best option? Just listen. Don't tell me what you think. Don't give me solutions. Just be supportive. Listen. 100%, but also I think more often than not, it's just by talking and by actually venting or expressing their 
thoughts or their opinions or what's happening at that point, they actually come up with the solution themselves. It's just like having a sounding board and having someone to talk to and someone who can actually listen and finding people who can actually listen and not what and not be thinking about what they want to say next is actually not that hard to find and it's really nice when you do yeah i've i've i have to say uh, so many times i've seen people waiting for that opportunity to jump in and they're not listening to uh, to others and I, I i do find it strange because nowadays whenever you 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 read advice for people who you know tell you how best to communicate uh, and, and I also have learned this as well. It's, you know, a lot of advice is listen, listen to what people are saying, use your senses, you know, see and listen. Um, but so few of us can still do this properly. I agree. Yeah, that's true. We, we, we don't, I mean, well, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think again it goes back to what Annie said though that it depends on the individual who's who is talking like I know it sounds awful but you will listen to certain people and then you will not listen to others Mm -hmm. and that is purely down to I think yeah it is it is like do you respect that person's opinion do you do you do what they say like and I yeah I mean it's it's a very um this is a this is a very tough sort of um, area of discussion because I think it also comes down to things like, for example, even in a professional environment, um, if you if if it's not, if you don't think that that person knows what they're talking about, then you're just not going to take their advice and you'll go elsewhere for advice because you'll say, okay, okay, thank you, thank you, and then you'll just move on because you're just like this isn't actually what I needed. Um, or you're questioning them. And if you're questioning people, I mean, it's really hard, but I think, again, it comes down to um, whether you think that the other person has any authority on uh, the topic, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm often reminded when I think about these kinds of situations um, and what you just said there as well, Tatiana. Do you remember, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one? Oh. Um, you know when the guy who he's looking for the Star Lord, the one who used, the one who rescued him. He always says, "I rescued you, and I stopped the crew from eating you." I can't remember the guy's name, but he's he asks somebody what happened and where they went. And whenever this person responds, he because he doesn't like what he's being told, he just starts. And I think to myself, if somebody starts talking to you. And you thought this person's chatting shit. You know, would you be able to just stand there in that person's face and say, "What did you do? What did you do? Because I just find that so amusing. And and I, I have sometimes actually imagined doing that when somebody's talking. Is that rude? Is that bad? I do in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But but then I, it's you know, isn't it hard to stop yourself from laughing? I tell you, a couple of times I've come so close to just bursting out laughing, and it's uh, it's a bad thing to do. It's a bad do look. Know, do you know what? This is this is what this is called self discipline and uh, and learning as you get older. Like you, you know what? I, I was I mean we're not having human interactions at the moment. So it's all on social. But I'll give you an example of something I wanted to do. Like um. I was no, I was told about this Netflix documentary that's come out that everybody's watching at the moment called Seaspiracy. 
And it's full of so much pseudo crap that I can't even begin to sort of just like it's like academics and NGOs have even debunked it as like the ridiculous. Anyway, and it's really funny because I've seen some supposed activists. And by the way, there's a lot of them these days. They're not actual. They're they're what we would once upon a time call pseudo intellectuals. They're people that um always have a cause but don't really understand the causes but jump on the bandwagon but haven't really investigated the issues to fully understand what is going on what's being said and and really like understanding the science of some of these things so anyway i, I saw that like a few people have been sort of sharing this and going like this is really good like people need to watch this without any background on how true this is and it's quite sad a because the world now relies on netflix to inform them about the world um, and then takes that as fa at face value as truth. Um, but B, I was tempted to write something and I thought, why bother? Like, you know, you're just going to end up in a debate scenario with this person where you're trying to explain to them the practicalities of or the realities of, of, of the sector um, to somebody who doesn't really understand it. And you've wasted your time because the likelihood is nothing will come out of it. So in a kind of like if, if this was face to face and you were trying to have this discussion and that person went on a on a you know 10 minute monologue about why this documentary is is true and real and the facts are the you know the facts presented or supposed facts are presented are true in your mind you you would want to sort of shut them down but nowadays you just sort of in your mind say what a moron but let them talk and then just change the subject because what else are you going to do? Argue with someone who doesn't want to doesn't want to actually learn a different point of view? I guess it, it really depends on. And I think you, Tatiana, like have found yourself in that situation quite a lot. Like I'm just thinking on um, like Facebook, for example, like, you know, just posting someone or commenting on someone that's something that someone else said that you disagreed with. And then, you know, there ensued like a two day long debate <laughs> in the comments. But I think it's one of those where it depends on how much you care about not necessarily the point, but like what that other person thinks. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's worth engaging in that debate if you're like, actually, you're like, yeah, I mean, I care about what you're saying and what your opinion is. And I, you know, I want to have this debate with you. But sometimes it's like, you know, someone you haven't seen like 15 years and you're like, I really don't care what, you know, I really don't want to be actually wasting my time trying to get into this conversation right now. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's choosing how you spend your time and what's actually valuable. What you get I, out of it, I guess. I, I just want to say, I wish I had that determination about me when I was younger um, and in some of the relationships I had when I was younger back in back in London, because I mean, I, I, one of the, mo the most shining examples would be at New Year's Eve, at the, the, the New Year's Eve ball. Um, and like, people used to grab grab everybody, whoever, um, and give them a big hug and a kiss to say a happy new year. Oh, man, I haven't seen you in such a long time and blah, blah, blah. And then you wouldn't see them again until midnight the next year. Um, and it, you know, it was just such a, a random event. I, at some point, I decided that I was going to spend midnight in the toilet. Um, and that's essentially what I did until I it went one step further and decided to return home and just spend New Year's with my family because that was just the most entertaining after all. But yeah, I mean, there are lots of these random people. And 
is, is it the case, do you think, that now because of the circumstances under which we live, we've become a bit more protective of our time and so therefore we want to use it more effectively? Or is that an age-related thing? Probably both. Mm. I think, yeah, probably. No, I think when you're younger, you're, you're, you're a bit more relaxed. Look, you, when you're younger, time is not necessarily... Um, it feels infinite, right? Everything just, you don't really think about these things um, and you don't mind wasting your time or you, you, you're you not unaware of these things, by the way, when you're younger. It's not like you come to this epiphany when in your 30s, but I think you're more tolerant of different things. I think it's as you get older and your time becomes more limited and your capacity to deal with bullshit becomes less and less because you're like, I'm done with this. It, 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 that's why you went into the bathrooms to hide because at some point you were like, okay, I'm done with this. Yeah, but I mean, I think I was a f more of a firebrand then than I was than I am now, just, just to say. But uh, yeah, sorry, I, you, I interrupted you. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, I was going to say that that can be a bit of a double-edged sword, because on the one hand, yeah, you're um, you're more protective of your time and making sure that you know you spend that time with valued people or doing things that you like or listening to you know certain opinions. But I guess the uh, the other side of that coin is that you become then potentially some people do become less exposed to different opinions and, you know, contradictory opinions and then become, you know, very tunnel vision and, you know, end up being just like very single mindedly and slightly narrow minded in their in their views and not so open. So I guess, you know, the challenge there is, you know, being responsible making the most of your time and you know and the things that you like doing etc but not being as bullheaded as to kind of close off to any kind of new stimulus and you know the things that happen around you you know i think it's it happens a lot in like political views you see like people who who when they're younger have a far more potentially either lefty or um maybe a more social or more kind of liberal kind of um viewpoint but as they grow older all of a sudden you know their voting kind of history changes quite significantly and become mm. more conservative depending on their wage packet um, uh, you know you know guys you reminded me of um i'll very quickly say this that there was years ago and i cannot for the life of me remember the film's name so you know you're just not gonna have to um whatever but basically i watched this film it was a danish film and um it's about a bunch of kids who kidnap this really wealthy man and they take him to some place in the countryside and they're sort of like they're 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 demonstrating against something or another and they start to talk to this man and he's very chilled out and so on despite being this really wealthy businessman and as they get to know him they find out that he was once upon a time just like them like this you know rebel without a cause going around demonstrating protesting and he says like i got older i had a family and my values changed and what was important to me changed um so people do change and i think that that's not a negative thing but it depends on how you change and how you use that what you're learning in the process um but you know political affiliation uh, going from left to right shouldn't be seen and, and this is something that um maybe we can talk about another day but i don't think like there's a stigma now about not necessarily being a lefty or left-leaning and that's quite dangerous um because I read a really good article in Forbes about this um, 
And we're moving into this MacArthurism era, but just in reverse. And I found it very interesting because I do think it's real. Suddenly, you're, you're disliked for your political um, affiliations, even though it might not be, it might just be the economics of it. You just prefer right-leaning economic policies. It has nothing to do with immigration policies. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't mean it in a kind no, of no, no, I know. judgmental way, but more in terms of both economically and yeah like socially there is you know I've seen I'm just speaking of like parents of friends if you like um and you know just it it feels like it does happen quite a lot that that kind of becoming more conservative than like politically speaking than you were uh, as a younger person as you grow old seems to be you know it, it happened quite a lot I just find it interesting as a as a trend Mm. I, I also find it interesting that Forbes, which I, I don't read too often, uh, I have to admit, um, but uh, identifying a reason why um, yeah, it's okay to be uh, critical of the left, uh, I find that an amusing article. I, I find um, there's a lot there's a lot of misinformation out there, and this uh, this uh, apparent surge of left-wing, not extremism, but this sort of left-wing uh, and liberal idealism. Uh, I, I can't see it in any way setting the agenda. I, I tend to find people who are left-wing liberals as, as the ones who are more likely to say, okay, of course they're allowed to have their say, um, but it's only when, as the Armenians say, the knife hits the bone that these people actually come out. Um, but yeah, and uh, maybe Tatiana, you're right. I think we should come back and have a talk about this because I do find it interesting to be able to uh, to analyze the, I suppose, the, the correlation between age and uh, political identity. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's it, we are, but we are varying. I mean, you know, just very quickly on this, I always go back to this one example. Annie was at your house party. I met this girl. She was very cool. Um, and we were talking and then she she sort of said, I can't remember what happened, but she said something about like, let's let's uh, all socialists rise. And I turned around and I said, well, I was like, I'm a conservative. And she goes, what? She goes, I don't think I can be your friend and walked away. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, is that what we base friendships on these days? No, I hope not. I mean, if we but if we really come down to, you know, identity politics into what determines our friendships my god like you know i i'd have very little friends i don't but i don't value friendship based on our of obviously you know nothing extreme but you know um these days being a conservative is is and and you know i, I run i'm not a conservative anymore um but it's i just find it strange i don't think that a i don't think it's anyone's business who you vote for and what you support of course, unless it's anything extreme, let's caveat that. Um, but uh, generally speaking, I, I, I just don't think that that's, yeah, it, it, this shouldn't be happening to, in our generation. Like, this is not something that should be happening in the 21st century. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Sorry, Ani, if you were about to come in and, and, and say, say anything, no, please you know, feel free to jump in. I wasn't, I wasn't, go for it. Okay, uh, I was just going to say that you know sometimes when I I read older material and I and I think to myself, wow, God, they used to think you know in such an advanced fashion a hundred years ago, um, and then I tend to think to myself, actually, you know, there's obviously there were technological uh, differences uh, back then and limitations, 
but they they weren't limited uh, ideologically. I think that in some ways people were a bit more open-minded, a bit more accepting in those days about um, politics and so on. I think that with the onset of the internet, we haven't necessarily opened up our minds to new ideas. What we have seen, though, is powerful um, campaigning from specific areas of the political spectrum, which have now found new ways of attracting support. Mm -hmm. And that leads itself into the tunnel vision uh, that you've both uh, indicated. And I find that unfortunate. These echo chambers now are so successfully, um, you know, created online. Uh, it's almost impossible to escape them for some people. For some people. But that's in a way how I remember, like during um, the Brexit referendum, in a way why, uh, like, I would, I would on on my feed, for example, I would only ever see or at least like 99% of it would be actually people who thought the same way I did and I think that happened to a lot of people and then you know when we saw the result on whatever day it was everyone was a bit like I'm sorry how did that happen exactly if everyone I know everyone in my extended circle was against it but then obviously that's the thing effectively you end up seeing only what your feed feeds you and which is basically perpetuating that echo chamber. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I voted for Remain and, and I, I was, I had a feeling it would be close. I was shocked though in the morning when I woke up. Um, but then when I saw the, the, the election result in, I think it was 2019, wasn't it, when Boris Johnson was elected with this huge majority. Mm. Um, for me, that's when the, the argument of Brexit died. Uh, for me, there was no, there's no more an argument as to whether or not it should be had. This generation has been quite clear. And uh, yeah, in 20 years time, we'll see what happens. But um, for me now, that's a, it's a dead argument, unfortunately. But yeah. Okay, um, we actually wanted to have this debate a few a few weeks ago um, because it was at the time of the um, uh, International Women's Day, and a lot of items had been in the uh, well had been topical, should we say, at the time. There was Meghan, um, and and then there was the the, the death of this uh, young lady, Sarah. Was it? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was the demonstration and then the the police exhibited this sort of hard line um, towards the, the demonstrants. Um, and then the report into the behavior of the, the police with regards to the demonstration came out and it said that they were perfectly, it was perfectly in line uh, with what they were supposed to be doing. Um, as I'm in Berlin, I have no idea what the mood is currently in London and the UK. Have things cooled down now? Because it seems to have been removed from the media somewhat, what's happened with Sarah Everard. The, the, the topic, I mean, the, um, the indignation has definitely sort of died down since, since then. I don't know, Annie, what you think. I think people have moved on a little. I mean, it's that kind of classic. It just happened to happen all during that week. 
and you know there was all this kind of thing like this is what we thought and we spoke about women on Monday this is what happened on Tuesday you know it was within a span of like seven days mm. so much happened and it became like incredibly top of mind and relevant but it's just you know give it like two weeks later no one's really talking about it anymore but that's I mean that's poor form isn't it I mean because we're not talking about simply one murder and it's horrible and I can only imagine what her poor family must be going through um but we're not talking about the death of one person we are talking about an entire gender which has consistently been um, dominated or manipulated pushed to the side in some ways marginalized um, you know, presented with a very small carrot and, you know, you know the large sort of a bunch of carrots was thrown over uh, to feed the men. You know, this should have been an opportunity for a real movement, you know, something, you know, because there was, you know, was it Reclaim Our Streets? You know, there was something there, but then it died down. I don't understand that. You know, I, I think, a, I think that um, I, I, I think that there's a lot more. We, I still have a lot of questions about that story than I than I have an, have any answers, right? And I don't think that anyone's done any proper follow up on the on the stories um, on the story itself. Um, in, also, now there's there's a lot going on in um, in the UK with the proposed new protest bill. You've got the Astra scandal. Um, I, and I, I, I feel like the um, people have limited capacity to absorb information at the moment. Uh, but really, I mean, on a side note, yesterday I met up with some friends of mine in a park and I hadn't seen one of them in a very, very long time. So anyway, we met up and one of them was waiting for the for the other two because we she my friend and I were running late. And then, you know, she comes what? you were running late. <laughs> I know. Hard to believe with me. So anyway, she was like, I was in the park and it was like, you know, after 6.30. So she was a little bit conscious about it. And then she said, you know, she wanted to sit somewhere where there was a bit of light. And I said, well, we're in a park and you're not going to find any light. But we went somewhere where it was a little bit more open space and near the entrance. And we sat there. It was nice. But then the the girls would refuse to. um, I said, well, I'll walk you to Baker Street and then I'll walk through the park home. And they were like, no, 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 no. We'll walk with you to the exit that you need. And then and then we'll go home. Um, so and we talked about Sarah and we talked about, you know, um, sexual harassment. And, I, you know, I've been having ongoing conversations one to ones. But in terms of the media, I haven't seen much discussion since um, since the sort of um, uh, the, the frenzy that took place a couple of weeks ago. But between friends, I'm regularly having these kinds of conversations and just, you know, we're sort of asking each other questions or you know talking about the statistics and so on I agree I guess it's the kind of usual kind of media news cycle right so you know it was it was a story during that period of time and then something else came along and then we focused on that from a you know from a mass media point of view but yeah I agree I've been having a lot of conversations around that as well but almost in terms of certain things that I hadn't necessarily thought about and things that I do and I have always done or not done in terms of, you know, walking home alone or people maybe like waiting for me to get a cab before I get into it and, you know, things like that. And almost trying to understand in terms of how much of that behaviour 
you know, where all of that came from. And I don't know, we've, I've been having a lot of conversations around that, around how we individually behave as uh, women and whether we do feel that threat or don't feel that threat. Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Tat. Like on a one-on-one, I think it's definitely still there. Mm. But I mean, how is how do you think it's it's it, you know, it will be possible to get some kind of a campaign materialised where um, you know and you know Kamala Harris made a fantastic point when you know a, f- a few weeks ago when they they asked her a question about you know the president putting in you know, coming out with a, an executive order with regards to gun control and she responded and said well the question really is do you want a short term solution or a long-term solution, because if you want a long-term solution, then you need the legislation, you know, and uh, I think she, she put out a fantastic rebuke there to, to the, um, the, the journalist who was asking the question, should there not be some kind of legislation introduced in the UK with regards to gender equality? Because, I mean, at some point, enough is enough, surely. But, but, you know, I mean, let's just look, I I don't in the case of America and gun violence, I don't disagree with Kamala Harris because executive orders are only as good as the president that's in power. Um, And as we saw, you know, as we saw when Obama left, when Trump took over and now that Biden has come in and, and, you know, what he's done since, you know, within like the first less than 100 days of being in office. The the legislation goes so far. We, We have fantastic labor laws in the UK. Right. But they somehow people find loopholes and, and ways of still discriminating against um, pregnant working women or women that come back from maternity leave or um, not necessarily offering equal pay and saying we're we're in the process of it we're going we're working towards it you know there's always there's always a way of working around it it's got to come you it, education is also required legislation alone will not work legislation sometimes actually can have a negative impact, especially on an issue like gender equality, where people can't even agree on the fact that there isn't equality, right? The amount of men I speak to that do not think that there's an issue with equality, and also women, by the way, sorry, let me caveat this. And then, you know, I I had, I think, I I don't remember, Sako, if this was when we spoke, but I had this, like this, I went on this, um, social media tirade, um, you know, a, a few for a few weeks after that. And there was there was this one thing that, you know, when I posted about The Guardian's 97 percent of young women mm-hmm. um, in the UK feel, uh, say that they've been sexually harassed. And then this one guy took my story and reposted it and said, I don't believe this, do you? And this is after he and I had had an entire conversation about this. And I explained to him what sexual harassment meant. So I then replied to him and I said, can I take your story and use it for myself? And I did. And I called him out and I was like, you know, men dictating what other what women feel is sexual harassment or not. I mean, we can't even if people are even questioning the experiences of women or it's in this case, young girls, then where, you know, legislation is not going to work because we in the UK, we have good legislation already. We could do better, of course. But yeah. Mm. Any, any, uh, have you had any similar experiences with some of the guys that you've talked to? To be honest, I mean, again, I wouldn't say that from my male friends or, you know, people I interact with would necessarily say, no, there isn't equality, you know, that there isn't an issue. 
I would say that actually, at least like from the people I interact with, they do tend to be like fully aware of it. And I don't know, like it's not I don't it's not a conversation that has ever caused like um, an issue or controversy or I've never had I've never actually faced someone who said to me, no, that's just bullshit. There isn't such a thing. I don't know if it's because, you know, my circle is a bit more kind of smaller than than tax, but everyone has always kind of been quite. Yeah, I mean, there is clearly a lot that can be done. And Stan, I agree with what you're saying in terms of it's not so much from a legislation point of view. I think the crux of the issue is moving forward from an education point of view and making sure that, you know, people grow up with, you know, certain values and certain understanding of what what is know how to behave and what um constitutes harassment or not harassment and what can be you know seen as being a you know an undervaluing comment or not for example yeah the problem that i have with it is with education is we're then throwing it off onto the next generation and i i recently read an article about uh, gender equality in japan uh, and uh, it's it's the bottom rated uh, country in the G7. I think it's something like 120th when it comes to uh, gender equality. Uh, and one of the uh, university professors who had been um, interviewed for this article, she said, so I'm hoping for generational change. I think that a, a lot of younger Japanese men do not look at women in this way and do consider women to be their equals in the workplace and in society. These are men who would have no problems at all in taking orders from a female boss. I would argue that all we need to do is be patient and wait for the older men to depart. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I mean, what, what do you think about that? She's, she's got a point. <laughs> how long are you willing to wait as in well can i you know what she she has a i mean she's what she says is valid but here's the thing if that man is raising another and this is to your point honey when we were talking about education was it's a it's a mixture it's a combination because i look if you go to school and your school tells you um we we treat everybody equally you know no matter no matter what their ethnicity is no matter what their sexuality is um you know or their gender da, 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 da. but then you go home to a father who does not believe any of that stuff and goes oh I can't believe they're teaching you that liberal crap in school oh my god i can't you know i i should move you to another school right i'm by the way i'm pretending like this is a conversation that happens in a, in a family home but mm -hmm. if that kind of conversation is happening at home that child starts to question what they're learning in the school. So it's a two-pronged approach. You got to be, you got to have a family that also follows or shares similar values. Um, and so that would work. But if that man is educating five children in the process, and then they pick up, or at least one of them picks up his way of thinking, then then you you're still in a loop. I don't know. I but the thing is, like. Making things illegal does not solve the problem. All that does is it it just buries the issue. It doesn't solve the problem. But legislation isn't only there to make things illegal. Legislation is also there to create things. Yeah. You know, it can create a platform of laws, but on the other hand, it can also create a center of 
um, advice, um, a, a place where institutions can go to to seek solutions, a place where um, you know any any gender that feels itself to have been in some way um, ridiculed, disrespected, or discriminated against can go to to seek support. As in, you know, legislation does also have a creative element we sometimes perhaps overlook. As everything, there's a combination of factors, right? I think you need to think about the long term, but you need to find, you need to think about short term solutions as well. It's a combination of those. And yes, I agree that there's definitely legislations that can be approved. And I'm thinking, for example, specifically, and I do not remember the like super details, but this um, gang rape case in uh, Spain that basically shook the. Um, are these British holiday makers, wasn't it? No, no, no. This was uh, during the um, the bull run that happens in Pamplona in July every year. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a bunch, I think it was like five guys from Andalusia from the south who had been there and basically gang raped a, an 18-year-old girl. Uh, and the whole thing was that... Something along the lines of, in the Spanish law, if the girl doesn't uh, show or she doesn't actually physically fight against it, it's not considered rape. Oh, wow. Along those lines. But obviously, and we're talking about an 18-year-old girl who was drunk and facing five guys who are older than her. She probably, you know, it's one of those like, well, what, what, what am I going to do against this? There's no chance in hell that I will be able to get myself out of this one. So, you know, it's that kind of, so there's, I think there's things like that legislation can do. And again, this is an extreme case, but uh, as an example, if there's definitely things that legislation can do in terms of uh, ensuring that things like this have the, proper consequence these guys were acquitted initially and then I think, wow. there was an, I think there was an appeal and um you know I think it went back into court but it's it's things like this that you know if you're basically telling people that go ahead you know nothing's going to happen to you if you know oh yeah it was just one night I went you know I slightly lost my control and went a bit too far that's not acceptable but, you know, the, what this kind of legislation, the current state of the law that is basically giving you that permissibility, it's giving them kind of, you know, it doesn't really matter if you go a bit too far. Whereas, you know, that's not right. You know, to put this into context, like, um, uh, Spain only implemented legislation against uh, violence against women, like, um, and, and domestic violence. I think it was 2000, was it 2005, Annie, or 2006? And it was following the murder of a, of a woman um yeah, yeah. so yeah you, look i i i don't just look it, i'll give let, let's let's maybe imagine it's a company right and you have an hr and hr says this is your hr policy handbook and if someone bullies you come to us or if this that and the other mm-hmm. now all of this in practical terms works until the person bullying you is somebody that is of influence and then suddenly it becomes a, you know, is this really true? Okay, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to alert them about this and or, you know, things are said that starts to make the other person second guess. 
Should I be reporting them? Should I not be reporting them? And then one of the first things that they'll always say to you is, you should speak to them first, right? Now, in a, in a legal situation, you have to you report something nine out of 10 times, especially if it's something very minor, like a guy grabs your ass on the tube, which by the way, you're technically allowed to report, but if you did, nothing's going to happen about it. So you say, why bother? Um, and it's a similar situation. You go through the you go through the process. You know that there's a structure there. You know that there's people that can support you, but um, it depends on the situation. It depends where you are, like if, which um, like which city you're in, because some cities do it better than others. Like there's a whole bunch yeah. of factors that come into this. And so um, I I do go back to we need to do better we need to teach better we need to talk to each other better i don't agree with like things like i think i've said this in the past like with girls being awful in front of guys about other girls and talking about them in a way that guys think oh i can talk about them like this too you know we're as much to blame by the way i'm not putting all of this on men we're as much to blame as men are about the situ about the the level of inequality i wouldn't go as far as saying um as you know we're just as much to blame because yeah i mean yeah we can you know we can be catty about each other i completely agree with that but i don't think that necessarily um you know should imply that or gives license to guys to behave in any way you know differently because yeah. of, okay. you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you know i don't think that's right i i, I think it's perhaps fair to say that in in many cases a lot of the online abuse that women face um, is received from a, a fair distribution um, with regards to gender i think a fair amount of a large number of women are just as abusive to other women online um, as you'd probably find men are and i think there are statistics to actually say that the the majority of online abuse that women face comes from other women uh, at least with regards to famous women, um, but I, on on the debate as to whether or not where responsibility lies, uh, I would have to go with Anya on this because I, I think that um, in in the case of inequality, it's I find it difficult to have a double punishment for the victim. In this case, you know, women largely uh, who are um, yeah, who find themselves unfortunately on the end of having a smaller wage packet, um, on being perhaps asked to do jobs that they don't really want to do because they're pregnant and that wasn't part of the management plan, and so therefore, yeah, sorry, we don't have any you know nice positions for you. Can you perhaps you know work in the mail room? Um, you know, these are kinds of things that shouldn't happen. I, I, I just no, don't think. But I'm, I'm actually, I'm the way I'm talking about it was a little bit differently. Like I, it's sometimes in the workplace you'll find that it's other women who prevent other women from moving up, right? Um, if you're in a, if you're, and I'm not saying this always happens, but in my own experience, for example, I have found men to be. Uh, my male bosses to have helped me excel more so than my female bosses. Um, and in the case of, and I'll give you another example of like a societal um, situation in Iran, the women observe the laws far more religiously, especially the older women, 
than the um, than the men themselves. When we were when we were there after my for my grandmother's funeral, my my sister walked into the one of the museums and she was wearing this kaftan, but it was see through. But we've been touring around the city the whole day with our tour guide. And um, the guy didn't say anything to my sister. So she, she was about to walk in and this woman runs down, starts screaming. And she freaked my sister out. And we looked at the tour guide. We're like, what's the problem? And then he goes, it's the way she's dressed. She says, like, you know, they're going to have her, um, re- you know, arrested or whatever. She doesn't, like, get her, like, put on some pro- proper what attire. And the woman started screaming at the men, like, telling them off for not picking up on this. Um, and similarly, when I was at the airport, I had my hair out of my scarf. And this woman came up and was like yelling at me in Farsi. And I'm like, I don't speak Farsi. Um, but nobody, none of the men were sort of telling me off. So I just I just found it really interesting that, you know, in, in that society, it's the women that are enforcing um, the restrictions rather than the men, although the men support it. Hmm. But it's also interesting when you say that some women have been uh, perhaps uh, preventive when it comes to um, you know, allowing your career to develop or other uh, women as well. Is it is this a case of, for example, I had to fight for my position and I'm not going to let them simply get promoted? Uh, do you think there's this uh, there's this element of envy perhaps in the uh, some older generations because generally speaking from what I've read and listened to um, you know, women who have pushed their way through the glass ceiling um, feel proud because they've created a path for the others. I, I I'm gonna uh, I'll very I think it really depends on experience and 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 what you went through. So I give a very short example. I did a talk with a group of women um, women in politics, and it was talking about their experiences. And one of them was a lawyer, and she talked about how when she was um you know she was reporting to women who had been lawyers from you know young um, lawyers struggling in the 70s and 80s, female lawyers trying to make them a name for themselves and and get the respect that they deserve. And she said that she found um, what she found really interesting is that these women gave her a lot of grief when she became pregnant and and needed uh, time off and so on, because they were mad about the fact that they had to fight so hard during their time and that they felt that she got it so easy. And, you know, like something like that for me is crazy, because, as you say, you fought for it so that the next generation could enjoy it. But then you are then you're upset or Maybe, you know, you see someone and, and you think like that person's after my job. So you act you act in a way that, um, you know, you, you start to you don't re- maybe you don't realize what you're doing, but you're actually hindering the other person. And it's not it doesn't make for a good culture or a good environment in the office. Um, so, yeah, I'm not saying but I, I, I do think, though, that that is also a management problem, because if you as an individual don't feel secure in your job, you will no doubt not encourage or help others around you and that has and that comes from the way that you're managed as, as well like who's managing you and how they're managing you and what kind of level of confidence that they're giving you do you think there's also like an, a certain element of competition in terms of you know there's so you know or the perception that there's only so many women that will be promoted or will be at that level of seniority and you know you you know if you're you're at the same level as another woman that you know there's only one of the two will actually get there as opposed to you know that that basically the gender factor 
is part of the decision making as to that person is going to be promoted or not. The perception there's a funnel to a degree as to both of us won't make it. No, but you see, again, I, I think that that, see, that for me means that you've got a leadership that lacks creativity and undervalues employees. Because if you're, let's say in a scenario, Ani, you're my boss, right? And um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that I want to be promoted and you're, you're, you don't want to do that. And that's probably because, A, you have a flat structure in the organization and you don't really know how to promote me. And, and in that environment, you think it's, it's me or her, right? So you'll take credit for my projects. You'll put yourself out there versus me because you want to safeguard your job. But I would say, again, like that's a management issue because management isn't offering the right opportunities. Why should I take your job? If you're obviously good at what you do, I should be offered something different if they want to keep me um, and keep you. No, I completely agree. But I'm, what I'm wondering is whether there's there might be that perception reason, okay. you know, as, a, as a reason why uh, some women may be more aggressive towards other women in the workplace. Yeah. I think it'll depend from in, from industry to industry. Like it's not, for example, it's not something I've come across. On the contrary, I think there's actually more and more women in my industry and at you know in more kind of managerial positions, um, even more so sometimes than than men. But um, yeah, I just was wondering whether that whether you thought that that was one of the you know a potential reason for that kind of um, competition or aggressivity. I think so. But, I, you know, I, I still believe that if you have the right company culture, you can nip these, you, you, you can change this. Right. And so I'm not actually, you know what, maybe I'm kind of going back on myself. Or what, I don't know what I'm saying here, but I would say that maybe it's the culture that encourages people to behave that they do. But so then I'll defer back to my original point, which was giving people the right education and helping people understand um helping people understand like what kind of environment the kind of environment that you create um determines the behavior of people yeah no absolutely regardless of gender mm. yeah I, I find it thrilling i mean i i really enjoy listening to you know the, the way that you debate the point um do you think that there is perhaps a time ahead of us that the quota that uh, you know, a lot of you know, governments have set for establishing um, numbers of women on boards or in senior management. Uh, can you foresee a time where that quota may actually work against women in the sense that, oh, we've hit our quota now, that's it, guys? Yeah. I have, I've always had mixed feelings about quotas in that in an ideal world, and I don't know whether this is idealistic or not, it's that it shouldn't matter. Like it should be regardless of whether this person is, you, you shouldn't be hiring someone just because she is a woman, just because she it's it's a man, if their skills aren't up to scratch and just to fill in a quota. I think you know in an ideal world you should be eval you know valuing the people, the candidates who've got in front of you for their skill set, for what they bring to the company, etc. Regardless of whether they're male or female. So I do think that. It, quotas can be hindering in that sense that you're not necessarily hiring the right person for that role just because you have to kind of meet a quota I don't know I think it, it potentially depends on how far along in that process you are 
as well. I think, you know, potentially maybe in early days in a very kind of male heavy kind of situation they can help to almost like force the situation but I think it gets to a point where it almost becomes it could be actually become a problem rather than helping. Yeah I mean the the issue that I have is that in an ideal world we wouldn't need a quota because there would always already be a a fair number of uh, women on boards and in senior management. I, I, I always feel that the social change when it comes is always most difficult for the first generation and then the generation that follows just simply picks up uh, and carries it forward because that's all they've ever experienced Mm. so you know if having the quota means that you know right now you're going to have people in a position of power who perhaps were not the best candidate that's okay as long as the next generation of female board member is going to be absolutely top dog because she never had to fight against um, discrimination to get into that position. She didn't have to fight against a school system where the boys were favoured to to learn mathematics and science, Mm -hmm. whereas she had to go through sewing, for example. (laughs) And so so therefore you you may be in some ways sacrificing the short term for the longer term, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. possibly. But then again, I was having this conversation with uh, the HR person where I'm working at the moment, and because we basically just had a diversity training. Uh, and one of the conversations I was having with her is that basically she was considering whether in recruiting processes, whether the names of the candidates should be uh, hidden, mm. basically. Uh. So, so not only from a gender point of view, but almost like even like from a re- from a racial um, ethnic point of view. And I think this comes back to, um, I think there was a study in the states where um, basically names that were more obviously of um, African American origin were less likely to be picked. Um, in an initial shortlist than more white sounding names, for example. And, you know, there was a comment, we were having this conversation as to whether that should be something that should be removed from CVs. And then at that point, you're basically just literally just judging from what's on, you know, from literally based on your experience, regardless of whether you're a woman or a man or where you come from. Mm. So that's almost like pushing that point to the other extreme. So there's no quotas. There's literally from pure skill set. Mm, Don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I mean, again, though, that's that may be the case with regards to recruiting. But you know, if 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 women are discouraged from you know getting a technology degree then they're not even going to be able to put that on their CV. Um, so as in you know, if this process you know, may be OK to start with, perhaps once we have overcome this initial gender inequalities stage that we've already got before us. Because, I mean, quotas, this idea of quotas was introduced in the 90s. Yeah. And, and we still sit on a statistic that says not more than, what, seven, eight percent of women are on, on boards. As in, you know, the, the quota system just, it's not doing it 
quickly enough. We should already have gone beyond this stage. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'd ask you also, is it is it ethical? Um, would, would you argue that it's ethical? And I and I say this because actually it's something that I used as a case study um, when for a class that I was teaching for Ecuadorian women. And um, I said to them, you know, is it our eth- quotas ethical? And all of them said, yes, it is. And I said, OK, and if you were a man, how would you feel about it? And they all went very quiet and they said, yeah, you know what? We see your point. Um, quotas, quotas can only work if they're done in a certain type of way. Right. And, you know, and you have full transparency about, let's say, in the workplace environment, the, the hiring process um, and, and what go, and what the, how that decision is being made. Because what tends to happen is people will start to think, oh, they just hired her because she's a female. Um, but I I don't know. I, I, I'm a bit like Ani. I sit on the fence around this because um, I think you shouldn't be hiring people based on the fact that, uh, oh, she's she ticks the box because she's a woman. Um, and uh, she she went to a average university, not just an Ivy League or, you know, um, top UK university. So that's diversity. We'll take her. Um, you know, it, it should, there should be, you should just be doing it because the person is right for the job. They're good. You know, they're going to bring something fresh and new to the business. Yeah. I mean, on the, on the ethical point, I, I would have to say, I think quotas do make sense because I think we do envisage a long future for humanity and not perhaps as long as it could have been, uh, had we been more sensible with regards to the climate perhaps, but um, at least long enough to introduce gender equality, I would hope. Um, and, and so therefore, I think, you know, longevity does have to be the, you know, the, the, the view that we have with regards, with regards to ethics. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, when we reach a situation where we can say, OK, now we have attained a level of equality, then there is no issue of quotas. Then the man will never have to miss out and say, oh, I didn't get it because I was I'm a man. And I was coming up against a woman. I mean, you know, the other side of that is for the last, I don't know how many thousands of years, you know, every woman has lost out because there was a man applying. I, to be honest, I, I agree with you, Sako, in, in the fact that I think there is, we're talking from the benefit of a, a society that is quite not where it should be, but still quite advanced if you compare to other societies in other countries in terms of where we're at from a, from an equality point of view. If we were in a in a society that was only just opening up, then yeah, a quota would most definitely be something that helps because you don't have there isn't again that education, there isn't that kind of um, open mindedness to kind of think like that. And then you know having a quota system will force people to get to where we are now here, I would say. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, we're we're privileged, if you like, uh, in that this has already happened before us and we're benefiting from, you know, all the work that's happened before us. And we can actually have this conversation being like, actually, we're in a good position, but uh, had this quotas not existed, like from for the last 20 years, maybe we, would, we wouldn't be in this position. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Tatiana. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say, I mean, you know, I, I, a lot of businesses now set targets, right? They say to, they say to the leadership team, 
Um, you will get X um, amount of money if you hire X amount of women into your um, into your team. So there are, you know, it's not even quotas anymore. It's it's financial incentives to encourage people. Yeah, I mean, but that tells you that society has just hasn't reached the levels that it should have done. Um, you know, and, and that we are behind. And I, I take Annie's point completely that, you know, we live in a society which, you know, the fact that we're having this conversation would suggest that a certain level of uh, of education has, you know, has come through, which tells us we should be considering, um, very seriously considering this situation. But uh, other societies, there is no such conversation. It's not even on the agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I completely take that on board. Um, I, I, I am... You know, Keir Starmer hasn't actually said or done very much as Labour leader to make me feel that there is a viable opposition at the moment in in the UK. However, on this point, he did say it's not it's not enough now for men to simply be silent supporters of gender equality. It's time that men actually participate, that they are vocal, that they are fully supportive um, of, of these kinds of policies. It's just not enough. You know, to 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 remain quietly supportive as men, it's it's also involves us. And I, and on this particular point, now yeah, I, I thought that is actually that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to push these kinds of agendas forward. And and that's the one thing that he has said, which I completely agree with. Mm. You're not convinced. Oh, sorry, I'll say I'm not convinced with Starmer. <laughs> okay, well, neither am I. But that was nice what he said, at least. <laughs> I agree with what he's saying on that front, though, completely. Yeah. That's for sure. Do you expect to see more support from um, male colleagues and male friends? Do you expect them to be more vocal? Do you, do you expect them to come and demonstrate alongside you? I I do, but I don't see it. Um, maybe again, it might be. I mean, Annie might be walking in, uh, in on strawberry fields compared to me. It sounds like when it comes to the kind of allies that she has, because um, I I don't know. Maybe it's just like my luck, but I don't really. I've never. I've seen a few, a handful of male colleagues, um, you know, stand up for other women in the office, but I just generally I don't see it. I don't see that. Um, I don't see that allyship. It doesn't exist, at least in many of the companies I've worked for. Annie? <laughs> I'm trying to think, um, but more not, not so much necessarily in the workplace, but in general. I, I'm not actually necessarily sure they would come out and demonstrate in the street for it. They will have the conversation. If we start the conversation, they'll go, yeah, yeah, I agree, or, you know, you're right, that shouldn't be like this. But I don't necessarily see uh the men i know kind of taking up that mantle and going like right actually i'm gonna join you in this and you know go and uh, support this with you to be honest i think it's a more it's more of a, a bit more of a passive kind of type of support if you like mm. yeah, yeah I, I find that a shame really because i you know, I, I, I'm not black, but I believe black lives matter. Um, and, you know, I'm not a woman and I believe in gender equality. Um, and, you know, I think that this is uh, this should be the sense of humanity that you know, we should be able to empathize and understand um, with the, the people who have been marginalized 
who have been treated unfairly. And it should be incumbent upon those other elements of society who do not feel uh, the danger that they feel walking down the street. Yeah. And they should reach out and hold them, embrace them, you know, and uh, accompany them forward. I think that's the way humanity should be. And it's what the way we are at the moment as a society is not enough. I agree. I think that's fair. I, you know, I, I, I'd expect, I, you know what, I think if I was to say to you, Sako, I'm going to this um, march, right, women's march. Um, and actually, that's a that's a good point. Um, the women's march that Annie and I went to back um, during Trump's inauguration in 2000, was it January 2017, Annie? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. So our friend Rafi um, came along. No other guy would come. Like, Rafi's like the perfect example of a person who would actually always support you in you know and he's always about seeking truth and justice and so on but there aren't many people like him out there frankly if i told some of my other guy friends it'd been like oh, what with a bunch of women no thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who else do you expect to find on a women's march um yeah well, I, nobody I would likes have... angry women that's the truth okay you all like us when we're drunk and cheery and oh, <laughs> oh my gosh flip hair but not when we're angry. I don't have a problem with angry women as long as they're not angry with me. It's not a, it's 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 not an issue. Um, well, yeah, I was in Berlin at the time. Otherwise, I would have accompanied you. Um, however, then, yeah, okay, all right. I think we should probably leave it there actually, purely because we've already surpassed an hour and fourteen minutes. And um, yeah, I think um, most men would have fallen asleep after the forty-fifth minute, which is when we actually started talking about this stuff. So therefore, I'm going to have to rearrange it, everything, aren't I? Um, yeah, Annie, uh, Tatiana. What can I say? Thank you very much. Um, I hope actually you'll both come back and we can have another three-way chat because it is actually very entertaining to, to, to hear, you know, not only your responses to my uh, suggestions and my questions, but also you, you, you bounce off one another so well. Uh, I don't even have to do anything. I just, you know, t t turn that dial, as it were, and just let you go. That's cool. Well, I love hanging out. Well, I love even distantly hanging out with Annie. So, uh, yeah, thank you for this. And I really enjoyed it. And um, and I, and, you know, it, it's 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 I, I, I I'm pleased to hear that in some workspaces or industries that there's a lot more, um, you know, there's a lot more sort of uh, forward thinking going on. No, to be honest, I've always thought I was quite lucky on on that front. Um, but yeah, and like same goes, like it's always, you know, actually really good fun to chat to you both. And I really hope that one day we can actually get to do this face to face again. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to a nice uh, cold pint uh, <laughs> along the Thames in, in a Richmond pub. And we can all have this chat together um, with a few other friends as well. So hopefully that will happen this year, if not next mm -hmm. year, you know, but it's going to happen, I think. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so much you. for this and I look forward to listening to it. Good. I'll make sure I get it done really soon. All, right. All the best. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.